I, um, well, you know, if you thought that, the, one of the things I love about this church is you never can tell what each service is going to look like. I love that. So with that, I'm just kidding. I, uh, meaning, you know, well, I was just thinking about Grace Center and here it is. It's the end of one season. It's the beginning of a new season, end of one year, end of the new year. We're in the holiday season and we have this tendency, I have this tendency to kind of glide, you know, and, and land and then take back off the beginning of the year. And uh, <clears throat> kind of thought that that's where I was going today with this message, but surprise, <laughs> it's not where I'm going. <laughs> so I uh, actually, I had a thought, um, I, I didn't know if I was going to share it this service. I, I didn't know if I was going to share it last service, but I did. And it seemed to hit. I, I, uh, it's interesting when, when I take off or when we take off and we relax, there's something about relaxing that. Uh, I, I, sometimes I can hear more clearly the Lord. That makes sense. You know, I know it talks about in Job that uh, it's when we go to sleep that the Lord gives dreams so he can whisper instructions into man's ears to keep them from danger. There's something about resting. So anyway, <clears throat> with that, I was resting, you know, just hanging out and had this thought. Here's the thought. Isn't it interesting that two people can be in the same service see the same thing, and one of them completely miss it. See, hear the exact same message, be a part of the exact same worship, feel the exact same presence, and one gets it and the other one misses it. And I was thinking about that. I was like, why, why does that happen? Well, I don't know the full spectrum as to why it happens, but I can tell you one reason why it happens why the one person gets something and the other person does not get something, the person that does not get something usually is holding on to offense. So I'll tell you, uh, give you an example. <clears throat> John the Baptist, John the Baptist was announced before he even came to the world. So John the Baptist, think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was doing his priestly duty and, uh, uh, and, and the Gabriel shows up and says, come here to answer, to, to answer your prayers. And Zacharias is like, well, how will I know this is going to happen for sure? And Gabriel's like, uh, the, the light doesn't, you see how we're dressed? Does that not? So he took that as a statement of unbelief. So he said, because you, because he knew that death and life are in the power of the tongue, if he, left, if he left Zacharias in that state, Zacharias had the ability to negate the prophecy that he just gave him. So he said, in order for this prophecy to happen, I've got to shut your mouth. So he shuts his mouth. So for nine months, so Zacharias goes back home and he's, can't talk. And the people are going, wow, what happened? Something must have happened. Well, then his wife, Elizabeth, gets married and she's, past the age of bearing children. So they're like, wow, what's going to happen with this child? Well, then when they dedicate the child, John, Zacharias's mouth opens. So the entire town, the entire village heard this. This story went all over the area, all over the, all over the city, if you would. So there's like something is special about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist shows up. He's grown up. 
Now he's, he's announcing Jesus. He actually sees Jesus walk by. He goes, there goes the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Two of his disciples got, heard that and walked away and started following Jesus. And so John the Baptist had the biggest uh, ministry in that day. And yet, as we read on, John the Baptist got put in prison and it was while he was in prison, he sends two of his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Messiah? Or do we need to look for someone else? It's like, what? What happened? John, do you not remember all the stories? Your dad telling you about Gabriel, talking about you? Do you remember all this? What happened? Offense. So some of us, offense will cause you to be at arm's length, not only from him, but from each other. I'll read you one. First John 1 John 1.7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, listen to this, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So I'm just saying, if you're having a hard time connecting, the question is, could be, are you walking in the light? Or are you holding on to a fence? Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway, I just, I wanted to share that because a lot of people, you know, uh, for, the, for, for the longest time, and, and don't get me wrong, we, we are aggressively working on this. But probably one of the most common things that are said to me, people that come here, love the house, love the worship, love everything. I'm just not connecting. So for years and years and years, I was like, golly, what is wrong with us? Man, are we saved? Am I saved? And so we began working on that and realized and kept getting the same uh, feedback, which I'm not saying that we're 100% on this, but it wasn't until I read this verse where I said, oh, wait a second. This might not be us. This might be you. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> I say that only as encouragement because it's not just going to be here. It's going to be every place in your life. But if we're holding on to a fence that's not walking in the light, you have to let it go, what Becky said. So anyway... Okay, well, we are ready to go. I am going to pick up where we left off. And I realized, so I, I'm putting, this, putting together this message yesterday, and I realized, ah, oh, God, you are lining us up with the prophecies that have been spoken over us for years. That's what's happening. So we've got all of these prophecies and I'm not talking about just corporate, yes, I'm talking corporately, but I'm also talking, take that personally. What I just said applies to the corporate house. What I just said applies to you personally. The Lord is aligning you with the things, the destiny that is on your life. He's causing us to come into alignment with him. This is a good thing. He's not gonna come to us, we're gonna come to him. And I was putting this together, I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. So if you look at what we've been talking about, we've been talking about 
the atonement and, and, and everything that, not everything, because it's, 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 a, it's a huge subject, but the different aspects of the atonement, what Jesus has done for us is so mind-blowing, not from the fact that it's just intellectual, that it's just, it, it, it's, it, it's something that we're mentally trying to ascend to. No, 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 this, this is actually transformational. This, this actually affects the way that I live. It affects my perspective. This thing about the atonement is a paradigm, it's a paradigm buster is what it is. It is a paradigm shift, it's a paradigm buster. And the Lord is rearranging our paradigms. And so, <clears throat> so, what I want to us to look at, I'm going to pick up where we left off a couple of three weeks ago. How long have we been gone? Was it October? October? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about faith. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18. And I'm not going to put it up there until I give everyone a chance to look at. Because I want you to see this. You need to see this. You need to see everything that I'm talking about. You know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one that where it talks about, it takes people, is it 7.9 times or 9.7 times to hear something before they retain it? Huh? 7.9. 7.9 times for the average person to hear something before they retain it. That means that some people can hear things one time and they retain it. Other people... have to hear it 17 to 27 times before they retain it. And that might be me. So maybe you're one of those ones. But I just want to say that if you're able to retain everything that I'm telling you by looking at the screen, and you can remember what I talked about next week by looking at the screen and not looking at the Bible, your own Bible, God bless you. I'm not like that. <clears throat> so Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day... Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they could always pray and never give up. Stop. Always and never. Always and never. Always and never. Always and never. Always pray and never give up. I was reading this and I was like, oh, sometimes I never pray and I always give up. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, <clears throat> he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Learn a lesson. There's a lesson. There's a lesson. This whole parable was actually given as a lesson for people that had ears to hear to extrapolate the lesson and apply it to themselves. What is it? Always pray, never give up. There's no if 
in there. There's no if. The, 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 the sentence that I want to hone in on is this one. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? It's like, huh, what's he talking about? How many will he find on the earth who were saved? Is that, is that the faith he's talking about? Believer versus non-believer? Could be. I don't think it is because it's in the context of praying and never giving up. How many will he find on the earth that actually who uh, have faith? Is that a rhetorical question or is it literal? I think it's literal. So what, that, what this tells me, it's almost like a throwaway statement that the Lord is making, so to speak, but, it's, but what, what this tells me is, is in the day that the Lord returns, watch this, the erosion of faith in the church will be so weak and so minimal that he is going to, how many people actually have faith? That's sad. When I read that, I was like, Lord, whew, please, please, please don't let me be one of those. Please don't let us be one of these. And that's not who we are. So this morning, I want to talk about <clears throat> faith. So before we get started, as you notice, got props. <laughs> got two chairs this time. We're moving up. <laughs> so in order to go where I want to go, let's go back to Luke 11 and remind us, everyone needs to be reminded that I need to be reminded of this, that the seed is God's word. This is coming from uh, Jesus is, is, is interpreting the parable that he just talked about, the parable of the sower. So when he goes out to sow seed, what, what would be the seed that you think that the, that the sower was sowing? Anything in scripture that you like? Uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Seed. All things work together for good for those who love him, to those who are called. This promises, it's seed. The, word, the seed is God's word. The promise is God's word. The sower goes out to sow seed. What has he said over your life? The reason that we need to understand that the promise comes in seed form is because when it's delivered, if we're looking for the mature fruit, we'll completely miss it. I cannot tell you how many times in my life, how many times in in, in, in people that I know's life, forget, forget about everybody else, my life, where I completely missed it because I'm looking for the mature fruit. And the whole time, it's plain as day, the seed is God's word. God's word is a seed. It comes in seed form. And Jeff, if you don't understand that, that it comes in seed form, you're gonna miss it. You're not gonna miss it, you're gonna get discouraged. So... In, the line, in, 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 in lining up with the topic for what I wanted to talk about, which is faith, <clears throat> I have to go back to this one uh, uh, 
statement, this one thing that Jesus said is, where is your faith? That is such an arresting statement for me. Even right now, even though I know where I'm going in my message, as I say this out loud, that is still an arresting statement. Where is your faith? And we know because we've been studying this, we've been talking about this, that Jesus was, was dead asleep. He was in the boat with professional fishermen and a storm came up that scared the professional fishermen so bad that they woke him up out of this dead sleep and said, don't you care that we're about to die? He gets up, rebukes the storm and then says, where is your faith? And they're like, what are you talking about? And so as we, as we go with that logic in trying to answer that question, where is your faith? Well, immediately would say, I, you know, I, I, I would say, I, I guess I don't, I, don't, I don't have enough. We talked about how we, uh, Jesus is not talking about the amount of faith that we were having, that they had. It was the focus of their faith. The focus of their faith is completely different than the amount of faith. The amount of faith has to do with me. If I have enough, then it's going to happen. If I don't have enough, then it's not going to happen. And the common denominator is me. Inadvertently, I become my own savior. It's like, ah. Oh, You know what that's called? Orphan. And so, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. Where's your faith? Who's your faith focused on? It's not, that's why us studying the atonement and understanding what Jesus has done for us, not only what he's done, but why he's done it, and, and all of that, it's blowing my mind to where if I can focus on him and his ability, it takes all the attention off of me and my inability. The focus is not to be on me and my inability, it's on him and his ability. Case closed. Can I just tell you something? You will never outgrow the need for a savior. It's not a one-time deal, it's for the rest of your life. You enter into this life and you lead this life needing a savior. So we talked about, if you remember, is it hot in here? I'm preaching. So we talked about a few, a few weeks ago, there are four types of faith. Do you remember that? Four types of faith. There's the intellectual, there's, a, a, there's an intellectual, there's a temporary, that's the one I wanted to start with. There's a temporary intellectual, there's a dead and there's a real kind of faith. So the temporary kind of faith. Jesus, uh, again, when he's, just, when he's uh, bringing the translation, giving the translation to this passage that we just read about, about the parable, he said, the sower goes out to sow seed. The one who receives the seed, who receives the word, who receives the promise, receives it with joy. Woohoo! It's going to happen. This is awesome. And then it says, when persecution or affliction arises, i.e., usually looks like, when things don't go the way that I thought that they were going to go. Or when he doesn't show up when I thought he was going to show up. He says that we have a tendency to let go of it and to fall away. Now, we don't leave the kingdom, but we just step away from the promise. Or we let go of the promise. And the Lord says, ah, that kind of faith is temporary. The next kind of faith is the intellectual in James 2.19. James says, there's a kind of faith, but the demons have this kind of faith, and it's actually called an intellectual faith. The intellectual faith is the kind of faith that says that with our mouth, we believe that there's a God, but we live our lives like we don't. And all God's people said, ouch. (laughs) 
The third kind of faith is a dead faith. And again, James says, suppose someone walks into your midst and they need food and clothing and you walk over and say, hey, be warm, be filled. God bless you. We'll see you. He said, that's just as effective as someone, someone not, some, let me just read it. It is the same with faith. It doesn't cause us to do something. It's dead. Just saying, be warmed and filled to someone that's needing clothing and you don't act on it is the same as saying that you have faith, but you don't act on it. It's a dead faith. The last kind of faith that we talked about is the good kind, the believing kind. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Believing in your heart and openly saying so. So how do you know you believe that God has spoken to you? It's when you begin to live your life as though it has already happened. Okay? So with that, that's all in review. Turn to Mark eleven twenty four. This is one of those verses that we have to stop, and it's one of these, it's an onion. You just keep peeling back truths, if you would. So that's what we're going to do with this verse. So it says, I, so I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it, then it will be yours. Now I'll tell you, when I first read this, it kind of it does something like this, like in the logic. I'm like, what, what did you just say? So when you pray for something, believe that you've received it and then you will have it. That feels like, I don't know, that feels like a riddle. And, um, and so I want us to look at this because there are some hidden jewels in this verse that if you're not paying attention to it, we can totally miss it. So first off it says, so I tell you who's speaking Class, you're doing great. <laughs> Jesus, who's he talking to? Who said that? So who said what? What'd you say? Us. That, you say us? That's great. That's exactly right. You just blew past right past my example. The people say us or the, or the disciples. If we say the disciples, then the Bible becomes a history book. But in, in Hebrews, it talks about the word of God is living and active. So it means this thing's got a pulse. That means that what he said to them can also be applied to me. So he says, so I tell you, Jeff, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it and it will be yours. So this is what I want us to do. Let's look at this. There are three different tenses of verbs, if you would, or help me, tenses, yeah, in this verse. The first one is, so I tell you, when you pray, so when you say, when you pray, I realize that's probably could be a future tense, but when I pray, it's always present. When you pray, when you are praying, you are in the present tense, correct? Okay, so with that, my trustee assistant Amanda is going to put this up here. So when you pray, when you are presently praying, believe that you have already received. What tense is that? Past. 
Can you guys see this over here? I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it, then you will have it. What tense is that? Can you guys see that over here? So, three different tenses. Someone can, say, can you see this over here? Three tenses in one verse. It's almost like a riddle. When presently you pray, believe that you have received it, and then you will have it. When you pray, believe that you have received it, and then you will have it. What I'm doing right now is the motion of faith. Now, can I just go ahead and pop the balloon here? That's not how we're wired. When I pray, I go over here to see when it's gonna happen. And most of the time, nothing happens. You know why? Because I'm waiting to put my faith here. So I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have received. You put it in the past. You say, now, that's crazy talk. No, that's faith. So Jesus here is telling us, if you would, or authorizing us to put the receiving of what we're asking for in the past tense. He's authorizing us to put the blessing, what we are asking for in the past tense. Think about this. The farmer has to put the sowing of the seed into the past tense before he can see a harvest. You know, making me work. <laughs> it's not until the seed gets planted in the past tense in our hearts that it actually begins to grow. But there's another piece of this equation that we have to address here. When I'm praying for something that I don't have and I'm not supposed to believe that I have received that something, that something that I am supposed to believe that I've received is invisible. But once I've received something, the thing that I've been praying for, it now becomes visible. Now, for me, the way that I know that my prayer has been answered is here. I see it. It's visible. Jesus is saying, he's debunking that. He's saying, when you pray for something, believe that you receive it here. Can't tell if you guys are listening or you're... So, where is Jesus instructing us to put our faith? In the invisible. But that's totally counter how we're wired. I'll believe it when I see it. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You'll see it when you believe it. It is after that we have believed that we have received what we asked for that God actually goes to work. 
Boy, this is messing with our Greek minds, isn't it? (laughs) After we have believed that we have received what we've asked for, God then begins to go to work. After we have believed that he has heard my prayer, it's when he goes to work. Look at 1 John. 1 John 5. 1 John 5, 14. We've been looking at this for the past several weeks. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. John says this. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. This is the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we have. The prayer of faith is believing that our prayer is heard before the answer materializes. But that's not how we're wired. That's not how I'm wired. I remember several years ago, several years ago, sitting up here and during worship, the Lord told me, he said, you don't know how to, Jeff, you don't know how to partner with the prophetic. What are you talking about? Got all these prophets coming through here and everything they say, I'm going yes and amen to. Said, yeah, yeah, but you wait until you see it come to pass before you believe it. But you're supposed to attach your faith to it over here when it's invisible. Oh, well, that's a risky. It is. So, The prayer of faith is believing that our prayer is heard before it materializes. Based on what? Based on what? What evidence? His word. Now, for some of us, that reality just went dropped like a dead fish. I tell you why? It's because it points to, it's a marker, it points to the validity that we place on the word. That's why it falls dead. There's no buoyancy to it because in our heart of hearts, we really don't adhere to the word. But it's okay because he's changing us. He's causing us to align with him. There's an alignment that's happening. Now, faith comes by hearing. So if you don't have faith, it comes. You just wait. It comes. It's a promise. There's a promise. There's a seed. Faith comes. If you don't have faith, it's okay. It comes. Get your cameras out. F.F. Bosworth says this, faith is refusing to see as reason for doubting anything contrary to the word of God. If you have a hard time reading that, 
Take out the parentheses. Faith is refusing to see anything contrary to the word of God. Can I just tell you that in warfare, the enemy is going to attack you here. This is where, this is where he will attack. This is where he will refute the promises of God to you. This is where he will say he did not, he does not, he will not. Do you see any evidence of it? There's your proof right there. Right here is where we get offended. When we don't see him come through the way that we think that he should come through, we get offended. Right here, this is the warfare right here. This is where all the accusations come. This is where all the doubt, all the unbelief, you know that doubt and unbelief are two different things? You can have, you can have total unbelief. You can have doubt and not have unbelief. Look at this in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, start with verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What's he talking about? We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Speculations. I don't see it. Since I don't see it, it's not gonna happen. The thing that you are praying for, the thing that you're holding on to, the person that you're praying for, the job that you're praying for, the situation that you're praying for, believe that you have received it and then you'll have it. It's the way of faith. It's the motion of faith. It doesn't go this way back to here. It goes this way. It goes into the invisible before it becomes visible. But where the enemy has got us tied up in doubt and unbelief and all that, he's got us so focused on the visible that we get offended at God because he's not coming through for us. Say, oh. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Come on, brother, preach it. Walk by faith, not by sight. I actually, I like this uh, translation better. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Where do we believe? Where do we believe? Believe over here. We believe in the invisible, not the visible. So, I realized that I'm probably bumping up against some, some clutter back here in our thought life where we hear, that sounds like that name it, claim it junk. <laughs> and I'm not an expert on that, but because I had the same thought. And I thought, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, I wonder if that, that, that thought, where that thought is coming from, is from the natural man and not the spiritual man. The natural man cannot discern the things of the spirit. They're illogical. This is illogical. If you're trying to get to, to, to extract the logic in this, it's illogical. Heard something uh, the other day, it was mind blowing. The thing about this whole, the, the whole kingdom thing, you can't start from here and get to there logically. You have to accept by faith there and work your way back. 
You have to accept by faith what Jesus has done for us and then work your way back. You can't start from nothing and try to get there because you can't get there by logically. You have to, you ascend there by faith and then you work your way back. If we're honest, this is not how we live. This is not how I live. I pray from the present and then I immediately go to the future to see if he's answered. And he is saying, when you pray for something, put it in the past Hold on to it. Believe here. And when you believe here and you put it in the past and it's laid to rest, you'll see it. Do you remember um, the, the story of the 10 lepers that we talked about? I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> in Luke 17, I want us to, because this is what we talked about, I want to take this Story, and I want to overlay it with, with Mark eleven twenty four. So watch this. So Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. He's walking through Jerusalem, walking through Jerusalem, walks through this 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 little village, and as he's walking through, there are ten leper uh, men with leprosy off in the distance, going, "Hey, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." And they're sequestered because if they are not, they have the, 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 there's, a, there's a fear that if they got into the, the village, then the whole village would be contaminated. So the closest that they could come was somewhere far off in the distance. They said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. What are they doing? Praying. They're praying. Jesus looks at them and says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Question here, when were they healed? When they, as they went, that's what I thought. You know why I thought that? Because that is when the healing was visible. But it's not when, he was healed, when they were healed. They were healed when he spoke. The word, when he spoke the word. Watch this. The word, go show yourself to the priest. Well, they meant that, they, they knew that what that meant. I did this little thing last week where it's like, or two weeks ago where it's like, what, what do you mean? Like nothing's changed. Why would I go show myself to the priest? I'm only supposed to show myself to the priest when I'm cleansed. And obviously I am not cleansed. Am I cleansed? No, you're not cleansed. Or am I cleansed? No, you're not cleansed. And all 10 of them are looking around going, well, we're not cleansed. Why would he tell us to go and, and show ourselves to the priest if we're not cleansed? When you pray for something, believe that you have received it. So, believe that they received it, and as they went, it manifested. They were healed. So the word, I think it's Psalms 107.20, he sent his word and healed them. The word of God, which comes to us, comes in seed form. It goes into the place that is invisible. This is where we apply our faith to it. We apply our faith to what he said in the invisible. It makes logical sense that we don't apply it till we see it in the visible, but it's not that. It's in the invisible. And as we do that, believing that we have received it, then, then you will have it. Jesus said, one guy comes back and thanks him. And Jesus said, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Again, the man could have said, what faith? 
Jesus would have said, the faith that believed that you received even though you didn't see it, that faith. So the men believed they had received it and they went in obedience as if they believed him. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who actually have faith? This kind of faith. The essence of faith is always pray, never give up. Always pray, never give up. Always pray, never give up. I was trying to remember, I was reading this week where the Lord remembered his covenant with Abraham and on the very last day of the 450 or 30 years, the very last day is when they left. The very last day. So it could be that we are expecting him to come on the 400th day or the 300th day year or the 200th year or the one. He waited until the very last day of the last year before he, but he still came through. Always pray, never give up. He is faithful even when we are faithless. Let's stand. So the first thing I want to do is to knock off condemnation. A knock off condemnation off of you in the name of Jesus. Any sort of accusation, condemnation, I knock that off of you in the name of Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Lord, I ask, someone had sent me a a prophecy yesterday or day before. It was about 2020, the year 2020, and the person was saying that this year the Lord is uh, strengthening our faith. The Lord's been strengthening our faith, be strengthening our faith. And I got to, th- and I, I closed it out because I knew where I was going with this, and I didn't want that to, to taint where I was going. But I got to thinking about <clears throat> that the way, do you know, how do, how do we strengthen our muscles? By exercise, yeah, and perseverance, and endurance. Sometimes when we pray for something and it doesn't happen, we're looking for the visible. We get discouraged and we don't think whatever. We don't think we have enough faith. We don't think he was actually meant what he said. Maybe we misheard. Maybe it was a pizza dream, whatever. But regardless of where, what, where we land, the, the bottom line is, is we let go. It's a temporary faith. And the Lord is encouraging us, stay in there. In the end times, It says in the book of Daniel that my people will do great exploits because they know their God. And this is part of knowing our God. So Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask, Lord, for an infiltration of grace. Lord, just grace, grace, grace to be upon us. Lord, every person here within the sound of my voice, in this room, watching online, in the name of Jesus, grace be to you. Grace be to you.
We ask, Lord, that for the places where we have become discouraged, I ask, Lord, that you would sweep that clean. I ask, Lord, if there are places in our, in our lives, in our hearts, where we have become offended at you, Lord, I ask, Lord, that there would be a grace to let go of that, to forgive you, to forgive ourselves, to forgive those who have hurt us, to continue forgiving in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I ask, Lord, for abundant grace, abundant life, in this coming year, and this, but right now, abundant, abundance, abundance in the name of Jesus. Declare, I declare over you, no weapon formed against you will succeed. It's a promise. It's a promise. Take that, put it into your, the soil of your heart, receive it, believe it, hold on to it. So I don't see any evidence of it right now. You hold on. It's the way of faith. In the name of Jesus, the things that we are praying for, we believe that we receive them now. And Lord, your word, you can't make this happen. You can't make this happen. It's not up to you to make this happen. You can't bring the results. Some of you are trying to bring the results. You can't bring the results. Your job is to believe that you've received it. That's your job. His job is to bring the result. And so, Lord, you are faithful even when we are faithless. We speak your word back to you, and we thank you. The other thing is, if you believe that you received it, the, what, you, what do you say when you receive something? Exactly. This is where thanksgiving is. This is where thanksgiving is applied right here. This is it. So, Lord, we thank you. Yeah, yeah, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.